We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stéphane Leco, and you can find me on Twitter at Stéphane Leco. And today my guest is the one, the only, the Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. It feels super weird reading this intro with you sitting here, but I will continue on. If you're joining <laughs> us for the first time, College to Cant is a show about the journey of the best football players and prospects from being a college recruit all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always like to talk some fantasy football since this is a Road of His radio podcast, but we also make sure to dive into some real college football and some NFL analysis too. It's so fun. It is like the last show before the final weekend of drafting for fantasy, uh, for, for NFL fantasy. So we have been uh, focusing a lot on that on, on this part of the show while Travis has been really doing some great work on the college side. Dude, it's so good to be talking with you again. It's so weird to be uh, reading that intro when you're the one who uh, who started this thing. This is your baby. Yeah, no, it's 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 glad to I'm I'm glad to share it here and just uh, enjoy the show together. It's been fun just doing this back and forth, uh, college football, NFL stuff. You've been doing great with the the guests we've been having on, and uh, so yeah, it's just but you know we we kind of teased it for a little bit, but wanted to get a couple episodes with both of us on together since it's both of our show. So yeah, yeah, and it's such a fun time of year. We just uh, finished up week zero. We we uh, earlier this week we looked at some of the depth charts for. Um, some of the big college football teams coming out. That was a lot of fun. Uh, just yeah. kind of trying to figure out what was going on there. Kevin Harris, it sounds like is maybe injured now. And maybe that's why he was so low on the chart. Who knows? But uh, last week we had Matt Harmon on talking about, you know, reception perception and, and looking at all that. And, and this week I just wanted to kind of talk to you 
kind of get getting ready for the for the NFL season to start. I, I've got my final draft tonight for NFL, so I'm excited for that. And then it's like off to the races. So this is like kind of our last preseason kind of go at things. I wanted to ask you that before we kind of jump into the NFL, I don't think I actually know the answer to this. Are you a bigger college football fan or NFL fan? I would say uh, I've become more of a college football fan than NFL fan just over the last few years, just because I realized, oh, that's that's kind of my thing. That's like my niche. That's that that what's that's what makes me weird. It's like you know, finding, <laughs> finding, you know, guys that are, um, you know, that love both and dig into all of the depth of college football and do DFS. And I'm just a weird, I'm, I'm an odd bird, I'm realizing. So, <laughs> uh, so college football has become my love. Yeah, no, that's cool. And um, what part of the college process do you get most excited for? Like, do you enjoy the recruiting side of things, the games? Do you like the draft? What part of that process to you is like the most exciting? I think I just like the story uh, from beginning to end. I mean, that's why I made this this show uh, in the first place is just because there are a bunch of college football shows that talk about big picture, um, nationwide team focused stuff. But I like the the actual individuals finding success and breaking out and and uh, defying expectations or fulfilling expectations. And I think that comes in the games. And so I love just watching games and, and watching it live as as players break out for the first time. I'll, I'll never forget just being the Purdue Boilermaker fan that I am. You know, the very first Rondell Moore game mm-hmm. uh, against North Northwestern. And he's just making them look like they're bad high school teams and uh, just putting defenders on skates, scoring a deep deep touchdown on the post route. Like it's just, it, it was amazing just to see um, all the hype come to fruition with actual production and posting basically the best true freshman season ever. And it's those stories uh, of individual players that, that I love. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm sure you're rooting for him to be a smash uh, yeah. with the, with dude, I was so bummed. Like I'm a Seahawks fan. I was so bummed that he went to Arizona. I was like, of all the places now I can't root for him, man. No, I'll still, I'll still root for him, yeah. but yeah, I know it, it's going to be awesome. Who, who's, who's the player this year that you're, you're hoping to see that, that same kind of big jump. Uh, you can't say Tyler Buckner for, for Notre Dame. You have to say someone else. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who are un- unfamiliar uh, with my love of Tyler Buckner, he's been the, the favorite freshman of mine. Uh, in this class just to see what he'll do. But I think this year, uh, for me, it's become uh, Xavier Worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a little bit because I have him on three or four college Decanton rosters, and so sure. I'm a little bit biased. Uh, but Texas really needs some receiving weapons to take off uh, to help their brand-new quarterback in Hudson Card. And so with Steve Sarkeesian there, you mix Xavier Worthy with his speed and, and yak ability. That's, we've talked about him a bunch over the last month and a half, especially because the opportunity is so apparent that it just looks like he's going to be the number one smash breakout true freshman. And that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I, I put him in uh, my DFS lineup that we talked about on the show uh, on my other podcast with Matt with Bay. Actually, I mentioned his name and he's like, Oh, I need to squeeze him in too. So, so we're both going to be rolling with, with, with XW. That's, that's not a good nickname. We have to come up with something better. Something than else. That. Yeah, I tried. Uh, let's get into some, some NFL news here. Cause I kind of want to talk big, some big picture stuff with you as well. Um, you have uh, done some awesome work kind of talking about um, how to kind of project 
what to expect from quarterbacks at the next level, looking at like 90th percentile production and rushing and all that kind of stuff. And we, I've mentioned it last week with uh, Matt Harmon as well. Um, so, so the Mac Jones era begins in new England with the release mm-hmm. of Cam Newton. And and I'm yeah. curious what your expectations are for Mac Jones. If you're someone, if, if he's someone that you think can pop right away, or if there's going to be a bit of uh, growing pains here. Yeah. So I, I just ripped it, uh, ripped immobile quarterbacks to shreds like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think some people just get confused as to what we mean when we're talking about truly immobile or liabilities in that regard guys that have negative rushing yards in in college and that is only possible because sack yardage gets countered against you um and that's you know just anecdotally that that's because you know if you take a bunch of sacks and then you can't add any value as a rusher that's a problem (laughs) right um and mac jones in his peak season uh just a peak passing efficiency season rather uh he only accounted for you know about a half a percent (laughs) of the rushing yards for Alabama. So he wasn't a complete liability there. He added some on the ground, but you know, some, some people kind of consider him a statue, but he's kind of like on that fringe where uh, he's almost too immobile to succeed, uh, but he's probably just mobile enough. Uh, if he's got a good offensive al- line around him to succeed. And when you look at his uh, passing efficiency numbers, uh, he's seriously like a 99th percentile efficiency guy. And yes, it helps being, at Alabama and having some first round wide receivers to throw to, but he's still dropping it in the bucket consistently uh, all over the place uh, throughout his really season and a half of production. Uh, And he's one of only three or four uh, quarterbacks in the last like four drafts to have multiple seasons above the 90th percentile in passing efficiency. So as a passer, uh, there's not many questions. So I think he can, find success right away, especially if they just kind of design a bunch of stuff underneath, uh, get them in rhythm, and then just take some uh, uh, some sh- shots in the right spot. But hopefully they don't try to ask him to rush very much because he's not going to do much there. Yeah, so do you think he could be kind of the uh, the outlier? Because, I mean, there's always outliers. I mean, that's, that's kind of the point. Yeah. That's why there's a word for it. He may be. We're entering an era, like I outlined two weeks ago, where we're just not going to see immobile quarterbacks at all. Uh, and not just immobile quarterbacks, but guys that – aren't at least 5% rushing yard market share guys. Like we're just not going to see those quarterbacks starting in uh, NFL rosters. And, you know, you don't have to put up a thousand rushing yards like Lamar to be a mobile quarterback. You can be like Dak Prescott or Patrick Mahomes and average like 200 yards per season. That's still enough to be a threat. That still is uh, schematically uh, stretches the defense enough that they have to, uh, you know, trust that you might run <laughs> like if, right. if, if mac jones is like you know they're pulling a read option uh you're not buying that mac jones is even going to attempt to get to the edge and so that's a problem um but he might be the unicorn that's uh, when mm-hmm. we look back on things 10 years from now he's the only one that looks like the quarterbacks of old yeah no and i think it's interesting too you you bring up some really interesting names there uh because some people might be listening be like well of of, of course he didn't have Five percent rushing. Look at the running backs that Alabama has. Like, how could you expect that? But then you look at guys uh, who who did get to those numbers of you know two hundred, three hundred yards, and they, and they had some pretty impressive running backs. So I think it's important to to look at that as well. That it's it's not just because he had Najee back there, but no. uh, there were other quarterbacks who had also also had great. Like you mentioned the other day, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Like mm-hmm. he had good running backs, and he was still able to get to those numbers. And Ohio State obviously has had really good running backs, and those quarterbacks were able to get to those numbers. But seriously, I mean, like when you think about it, if you had a 2,000-yard rusher 
all you need to do as a quarterback is on the entire season, and Alabama plays a ton of games. Let's say that Najee Harris was a 2,000-yard rusher, and he wasn't. It was less than that. Uh, all you need to do is get to, like, 100 rushing yards mm-hmm. in, like, 15 <laughs> or 16 games. Yeah. That means you're getting, like, seven or eight rushing yards a game to reach that kind of threshold. It is not a tough ask uh, to, to reach, like, minimum thresholds to be considered a mobile enough quarterback to hit in the modern game. Yeah, so and the, the yeah. example that you gave the other day that was like pretty eye-opening to me was Sam Howell um, and, and just seeing like what both those running backs were doing and he was still able to get that mark. It it's, mm-hmm. speaks to your yeah. point that it shouldn't be it, – it's not like some crazy high bar that only the very few can – I mean it, the 90th percentile part is probably more difficult to achieve than oh, the rushing is. part. Yeah, yeah. I mean like when I looked at – like when I dug into building my adjusted yards – for pass attempt over expected model. Um, I was looking at, you know, nearly 500 quarterbacks um, over the course of several years. And, uh, and so all of, all of which had at least a hundred pass attempts in, in their season to, to kind of get an idea of what we were talking about. And um, it's really hard to be a 90th percentile plus passer when you're compared to several of the best passers in the country every single year, most of which are NFL draft picks that are in that range. So, um, but if you can do that and just be a good enough threat that you can get to the edge, that you can keep a defense honest, uh, that's important more so than ever. And the NFL told us that with NFL draft capital decisions for basically five plus years now. Yeah. Uh, real quick, just sticking on New England here. Did this change anything for you looking at the pass catchers? I know Mac Jones and in college, we we think about, you know, rugs. We think about Waddle. We think about Devonta Smith, obviously. Um just to name a few, we could keep naming names, but do you think that his, uh, his style will, you know, be better for a guy like Nelson Aguilar, or do you think that, um, we should expect to see him passing it to James White, or maybe he's going to find Johnny and Hunter. Like what, what are your, what are your thoughts when it comes to the the pass catchers there? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good thing all around just because, um, having Cam Newton at at, uh, quarterback in the red zone versus having Mac Jones at quarterback in the red zone, that uh, completely changes what your strategies are going to be. You know, that completely changes, um, you know, what, uh, what you're going to have uh, on the play sheet. And so I think we might see more touchdowns to wide receivers, more touchdowns to tight ends um, than we would have seen at, with Cam because he might uh, just roll out and, and score on the ground. And he's right. done that consistently throughout his career. So I think it's a great thing for all of the wide receivers value. I don't think it's going to be like, Hey, Nelson Aguilar is all of a sudden a wide receiver one, <laughs> but cause I'm not sure what it would take to actually uh, make that happen. But <laughs> yeah, but seriously and with him real quick though, he's been hated on so much, uh, you know, since like he came into the league cause you know, he struggled with drops from time to time, but you know, wide receivers have the yips. It just happens. But uh, the only two, you know, like USC wide receivers that have outproduced him since he came in the league are, are Robert Woods and Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, Aguilar's had almost 800 fantasy points since entering the league. Like he's had three seasons over 160 fantasy points. So we could see some value out of him, believe it or not, <laughs> this year. Yeah, yeah. And no, Jacoby and- Myers, that, 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 that's a, a sexy name right now. That might, that might pop. And I think it would be great having Mac Jones as the quarterback there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh it's it's interesting hearing those names because you can still get them <laughs> pretty late. Like so dirt cheap and yeah. really late everywhere. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So definitely names to put on your uh on your list as you're prepping for uh drafts this uh this up 
coming weekend. Um, real quick, before we get into more news, I just want to kind of give an outline for, for the show because I haven't done that. Uh, we're going to do news and I'm going to talk about uh, some, some of the storylines that kind of um, have been most uh, noteworthy for, for Travis and myself. Uh, talk a little bit about what we're expecting, what we're looking for early season-wise, um, what are some of the stats or maybe some of the, the, the things going on on the field, off the field, all that. What, what actually matters? What are we looking to um, and, and what can we do with it? And then uh, look a little bit about best ball, how we approach it. And I just wanted to talk to Travis about some exposure rates, see who he's got a lot of, see who I've got a lot of, and, and maybe some reasons why. But next thing, just <laughs> I want to spend no more than 30 seconds on this. Uh, tell me why or why not, or do you think Deshaun Watson gets traded? Uh, no, because yeah. it's just who's going to take him and for what? Right. Yeah. Okay. We can move on. I agree. And I, I just, everyone's talking about it again. I just don't understand uh, because it's ridiculous. Uh, Gio Bernard has a high ankle sprain. They think he could miss some time. Uh, we were just talking about um, New England. So now Tom Brady, who we know likes to throw to the running back. We, we know what he's done with James White over the year. I was kind of hoping that Gio would have a James White type role. Do you think if he misses time, this elevates either uh, Ronald Jones, who, you know, another good <laughs> college running back, um, or uh, Fournette, a great college running back. Like, both these guys were super productive. Um, do you think this moves the needle for for either of them, or is this just a backfield to avoid for you? It's really just a backfield to avoid. Um, I don't really know what to do with it. Like, when Leonard Fournette came in last year, that kind of really threw a wrench in things. But it is hilarious just looking at the fact that Ronald Jones is still somehow, like, 23 uh, I feel like he's been the forever, yeah. uh, but he's still younger than some of the rookies in this class. Like he's, he's younger than Dwayne Eskridge who joined your Seahawks this year. I, <laughs> like that's insane. Like how's that even possible? But uh, I think uh, he, he's, he's probably the guy that I am looking to uh, target. Um, I, I've, I've liked Rojo since he was at USC. I know he got hated on even just back to his draft process and not, not doing the combine and, and having a slower 40 back in the day, whatever he couldn't catch, catch a ton of passes. But for me, I, mostly I am, I'm avoiding it though. Yeah. I unfortunately have so much Ronald Jones in like my <laughs> dynasty leagues just cause like yeah. I was on him early and it's just been, it's been rough, but you can't, you can't trade him for anything. He's got a lot more value on my team than anything I would get for him. So just ride or die, I guess. Um, yeah. T.Y. Hilton is placed on the IR, the Colts sign Kiki QT, uh, a name that you know remains one of my favorite names in all of uh, all of the NFL. Uh, what do you think this means for the Colts? Are you high on Pittman? Is this see you know someone you want? It looks like Carson Wentz may or may not be uh, ready to go right off the, out the gate. Just curious yeah. what you're doing with this Colts wide receiver situation. As I know you love Jonathan Taylor, so I know you've already got a piece of this offense. Like, is that yes. enough for you? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only piece that I'm super confident in. I liked Michael Pittman just from a – I mean, I, I'm like a team film and analytics guy. And Michael Pittman had a very late breakout, but there's context to explain that as far as, far as being a pro, uh, prospect goes with some injuries and things. Uh, but his his ceiling looks pretty high. If I'm going to target any wide receiver in this offense, it's going to be uh, Pittman. He's got ridiculous size and and great athleticism, and uh, could be a lot of fun. Uh, I I know some people are still holding on to hope with Paris Campbell. Uh, not really. <laughs> um, you know, maybe he grow, grows grows in, into a PPR type role this year. 
Um, and they use him like Ohio State did with a super low A dot and just, hey, man, go make at least one defender miss. That would be fun. But I, I think I'm not really betting that. Betting on that at that. Yeah, can't talk. <laughs> betting on that at this point. No, no, I hear you. Uh, speaking of low A dots, I want to talk about uh, your your local team there getting rid of um, Daz Newsom was released. Uh, kind of surprising. What were your thoughts on that? I know you tweeted the other day, like some of the receivers that went after him that you're like, maybe that would have been a better choice. But do you think this is a result of the Julio Jones trade? Or do you think that Daz just isn't what this team was hoping that they had? Yeah, I think you mean Des, Des Fitzpatrick, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. But Des Fitzpatrick, yeah, out of Louisville, he was, you know, he was cut. And that was kind of a major, major downer. Because I think uh, considering what they traded up for, uh, they, they traded a couple other picks and like their fourth rounder, I think, to get up to take Des Fitzpatrick and then just cut him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. They're going to bring him back to the practice squad, let him develop, whatever, dude. Like, that's, I don't care. Like, they, they we're, I'm in Ross St. Brown and Talon Wallace were both sitting there staring at you, like, hey, I'm an actual good wide receiver with a solid mm-hmm. resume. Like maybe, okay, so Tylen Wallace, he at least had you know injury concerns. That's fine. But Amon Ross St. Brown, he's been the real deal since he was 15 years old. Like he was a five-star at age 15. Like, yeah, what? Like he's been yeah. good, like really good for a very long time. And by everyone's record ever, he's an absolute like workaholic when it comes to the position. Uh, and and then the, the excuse is, you know, they just kind of whiffed. I guess because you know he, he didn't work hard enough, or so, I don't know what it is. But Des Fitzpatrick peaked as a true freshman and got worse every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what they were doing at that selection. Yeah, really disappointing. And then speaking of Amon Ross St. Brown, I saw that Equinemius, his brother, was just uh, released by the Packers. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, man, that would suck to have a, a little brother that was just like crushing it, and then you get yeah. released. Dude, it's funny that I, I miss, uh, misspoke on, on the name. Uh, when I was recording with Matt the other day, I had so many of those. It was really embarrassing. And uh, I, I was too lazy to edit it all Daz. out. But it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. Daz, Daz. It's, it's close. It's close. Yeah. Okay, so Curtis Samuel looks like he's expected to play, um, which I thought maybe, I mean, just given his history, I thought maybe he would be out for a little while. So I have a lot of Deami Brown. I want to talk about him in a little bit. But um, sure. I know Chris Towers, who we had on the show, um, couple weeks ago now he uh he curtis samuel is one of his breakout players we talked a little bit about him on that show and his big concern was you know the injury of course but now looks like he's gonna play is curtis samuel someone that you have high hopes in or do you think that you know maybe fitzpatrick isn't the quarterback that we you know build him up to be in our minds uh, and maybe there's not quite the targets that we want to go around like with 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 with, uh fitz magic like I think we love the story because it's always so fun and he YOLOs it and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, is he actually as good as, you know, the uh, what's the word I'm looking like? The, it's like? He's like a folk hero, you know? Yeah, it's like he's not really as good as we make him out to be, but he is a lot of fun. Like he yeah. takes some stupid shots because he doesn't care. He's been in the league forever. Like he's just happy as a job at this point. He, he's just he's living every every pass attempt like it's his last. And that's what makes him fun. He's been that way for years at this point like he he was way more conservative like i think back to the the ryan fitzpatrick uh that was like with the titans back in the day yeah um you know he was like that was fresh he was coming off of like the his his stint with the bills and he was kind of yellow then 
at a couple of jobs, he was kind of more reined in. He's like, man, I just want to stay in the league. But now he's like, hey, I'm a Wiley vet and I've got a crazy beard. We're going to chuck it 50 <laughs> yards. And uh, I don't think, though, that there's enough to go around for Curtis Samuel. And he's not – I mean, he's like the third or fourth best option uh, as a receiver. Like Terry McLaurin, definitely better than Curtis Samuel. Uh, Logan Thomas, uh, based on what he did last year, definitely uh, better for fantasy at least. Then mm-hmm. Logan Thomas and then Diami Brown, he came in to be a field stretching deep threat uh, that Curtis Samuel, frankly, has never been like, I know people want to pigeonhole uh, him into that because he's super fast, but how he was used, even dating back to college, he was like a running back slash slot wide receiver, like all this right. stuff. And so that's his game. And um, I, that's with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's not the role I want. Uh, you mentioned my boy Diami. Super excited about him. I, I, I threw one of my favorite graphics in our show sheet here, just because I just love looking at, just love looking at Diami Brown's, um, just his evolution. So his his freshman year, he his average his average depth of target was twelve point three. Then it jumped all the way to seventeen point nine. And his in his final year, his junior year, it was eighteen point five. Um, a dot and each year his catch rate also increased so yep. not only is he getting targeted deeper down the field but it, in, in his final year his catch rate was 64.7 percent yeah absolutely dynamic player i'm so excited about him am i just like going crazy because i have um i have so much diami brown this year um i mean i've only got him in about a quarter of my best ball teams but if you add like all the rookie drafts I had this year, I grabbed him in every single one of them around before anyone else could grab him. Yeah, in in dynasty leagues, I have him. Uh, I might have a hundred percent exposure, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's close. If if, if it's not a hundred percent, it's real close. Uh, just because I really loved him, he was he was essentially uh, almost inarguably maybe the best deep deep threat in college football in the two year span from twenty nineteen. To 2020 like there were a couple of guys like on on either end that were maybe had like what, a really good 2020 or maybe a really good 2019 but when you look at just the raw numbers like back-to-back years with a 50 catch 1000 yard season averaging over 20 yards per reception stupid it's it's crazy efficiency he did struggle with drops a little bit early in his career but once he cleaned that up oh my goodness so really excited to see what what could be for Diami Brown, he's going to definitely have some splash weeks here and there with Fitz Magic. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was targeting him in those later rounds in, in best ball because I just feel like there's going to be there's going to be weeks where he I hate the term wins you the week, but he yeah. definitely will help. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Before we before we kind of uh, hit the ads and uh, and, and kind of move on to some of the some of the storylines that we've been kind of interested in, uh, Irv Smith out for the season most likely, uh, if not. For most of the season what are you doing with the tight end situation in minnesota is is conklin or herndon i mean can we resurrect you, herndon you for the, yeah <laughs> oh god and, and and herndon's a dude that we've been uh the fantasy community has been hyping up for oh, for years now yeah post 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 hype <laughs> yes. chris herndon no i'm not touching it man i got it's just hey you have justin jefferson and adam thielen just throw them the ball more come on like and yeah. just throw dalvin cook the ball more because they're all going to be more elusive, way better to target at virtually every point in the field. Like maybe you could make an argument like in the red zone, whatever, but I'm not touching Gronklin or Chris Herndon uh, at all. Yeah. And to your point about the red zone, I mean, Thielen eight, 
in the, like yeah. he just destroyed people in, in the what, red zone. Yeah. That's how he got all those that's touchdowns. What he does. So that's what he does, especially at this point in his career. Uh, so he's going to smash. He might have, have like, I don't know what year it was, but you, you remember that Devonta Adams season? He like didn't even have 800 yards, but he had a dozen scores. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like at some point it's going to get, it's like old. Oh yeah. Like uh late career, James Jones. Like that's, He's yes. probably going to do that for three more years. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Or what Marvin Jones does every year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, nailed it pretty much. No, that's that's good. I think, yeah, I think people, I, I think a lot of people had Adam Thielen as a bit of a bust this year, but I think now all of a sudden uh, he might return value on, on, on where people were drafting him. Um, but yeah, let's, let's, hit the, let's hit the break real quick and we'll be back in just a minute. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. Let's talk a little bit about just kind of preseason, but not just the games, just in general. What are some of the big storylines that you've been um, kind of focusing on or or things that you've been kind of excited about or really disappointed in in these last couple of weeks here? Uh, I think really disappointed in, uh, just to get the bad news out of the way first, uh, you know, Travis Etienne. Yeah, you um, were, because you were really excited. I was really excited just to see, I mean, like getting to be able to, how rare is it to be selected in the first round with your own college quarterback Mm -hmm. to help rebuild a franchise that's just been a joke for forever? Like that's a huge opportunity for him. And that's just a major bummer. And then J.K. Dobbins, like, yeah. And not only that, I have, I have both of them on the same team. Actually. Oh, God. And, uh, and actually, you're in that league, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Oh, uh, so I am going to be punting right away, apparently. <laughs> oh, that, that is so rough. Oh, man. Um, and do you think, uh, just with, with Etienne, do you think James Robinson now um, ends up being great value? There's a lot of you know conversations right after the injury about like how high up are we supposed to move James Robinson now? Uh, I think a lot of people just like Urban Meyer is kind of hard to trust. Yeah. What do you, what are you thinking here? Is he someone that you're like, man, I'm so glad I have some shares or is like, yeah, people probably are going to overdraft him now. 
I'm asking you uh, when I should draft him tonight, Travis. <laughs> yeah, uh, first round for sure. First round, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think he's probably going to get overdrafted now. Like, they're probably get, they're going to be people that are taking him like even before where Etienne uh, was mm-hmm. going. That's it hasn't quite trended there just yet, but I think as we near the season, it's probably going to be something like that. Just looking as people like really look at last year's numbers and be like, oh my gosh, if he's if he's used like that that again. Um, but I don't think he will have that kind of success again. Uh, he's basically, when we call him a unicorn, like that might be an understatement. You know, like uh, I don't know how how often a guy goes to Southern Illinois. That's as a three star, by the way. He was actually like a decent recruit, but he was like, nah, I could go to D one school, but I'm just gonna go step on kids' faces at the FCS level, right? And uh, and then came out and like just a shredded five eleven two twenty five and still goes un- undrafted and it's just a weird situation. So looking at, you know, like his contract is interesting. Um, it's, it's one that would be easily tradable at some point. So I wonder if urban gets crazy and uh, eventually moves him after the season, after his values peaked. Uh, Cause you know, he only has one year after this year and, but it's super stupid cheap. Uh, even, even next year, it's still under a million dollars. Uh, so you know, maybe the team wants to keep that contract for forever, but uh, I'm I'm not really a believer in James Robinson long term. Yeah. What What about um? Uh, you you mentioned J.K. Dobbins. Uh, what do you What do you think happens there? Do you think uh, this kid Tyson isn't it Tyson Williams that people are talking about now? BYU, right? Yeah. Is that someone that we should be looking at, or is this just kind of like Gus Edwards or but or, or or avoid? I mean, it's probably Gus Edwards or avoid like Tyson Williams, like. Uh, he was okay, but he was an undrafted free agent for a reason as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I'm just, just wondering, is he James the Robinson, next? Yeah, is like, he yeah. the next James Robinson? <laughs> no, he is not yeah. that. Um, and it's it's going to be pretty easy to pass. I mean, like, what are you investing at this point, really? Like, he was probably oh, yeah. a waiver pickup. So, yeah, like, sure, sure, add him and then move him. Like, after he gets a junk time touchdown somewhere, you know, that's fine. Yeah, I think I grabbed him in the last round in a couple best ball leagues and i yeah you know that's about that's about it yeah um what what's what's a what's a sneaky low-key team that you are excited about you know everyone can get excited about you know the seahawks or uh, that's a bad example only i get excited about them <laughs> but like the ram the, the, the rams or someone like that oh, what's a team mind. that you think that you you, you think can uh, maybe surprise us with some some production across across like you know all all, all levels of, of the team for for fantasy perspective, sure. For fantasy perspective, um, I think it would be really fun just to see the the Dolphins just smash like at every position mm-hmm. that we've been waiting on. Uh, you know, like Mike Kosicki just finally go off when and Tua finally uh, look healthy and put it all together and have a sixteen game season where he throws for four thousand yards and Miles Gaskin just continues to to shred and has success even though he had lower draft capital and then Jalen Waddle, even though his his uh you know production profile was, was imperfect like he just goes off like that that would be it'd be so fun to see like the young pieces um that people have been touting already this offseason but just like for the entire team just yeah. kind of smash that would be that would be so fun and I, I think it's probably uh a decent decent shot that that actually happens you know like even even like Will Fuller you know like he's somebody that I'm, I'm intrigued in and excited about so yeah that was actually the team that was that i was thinking about too uh i forget because just the the narrative around last year and around the injury but Tua was one of my favorite 
quarterbacks coming out in a while. Like I was so yeah. excited about Tua. Uh, yeah. And he he just was just electric. He was so good um, with Alabama. And yeah, it just kind of, it didn't actually fall off the rails. It just, there was the perception that everything fell apart. Um, and, and so I, I would love to see it. My only concern with the Dolphins really is like, I don't know what, what wide receivers to target. Cause again, like it's a pretty crowded room of similar, similar type players like Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, uh, Waddle. I just don't know where, where to go with, with that. And, and that's kind of been what's scared me away from them. Not so much like not thinking there's going to be any production there. Yeah. I think that's why best ball is great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, Cause you can get, uh, you know, you can just be like, I'm just going to hedge and take, you know, 20% this player and, Five percent this player, five percent this player, seven percent this player, uh, just based on value. And so, that's that's a team that I've found myself having a lot of uh, pieces there, but not really confident enough in like normal uh, single like season redraft to just go all in very much. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Um, so as a season kicks off, as we you know get through week one, week two, maybe maybe even a little bit further in, what are some of the the early season trends or uh, statistics what are you looking at uh, to see kind of if you are onto something if you should be moving away from a player if there's a player you should be targeting if there's an offense in particular what are some of the uh, things you look for as you're kind of projecting movement going forward because ultimately that's that's how you win season-long leagues it's, it's, it's not you know you drafted the perfect team and you just sit there and enjoy the benefits of nothing like there's so much that goes into it, like making trades or, or reading the rate waiver wire correctly. What are you looking for particularly? Is it like that snap percentage for wide receivers or is it the target percentage that they're getting or, or routes run? What, what are you looking for and uh, how can we use that to, you know, get a leg up on our competition? Well, first of all, since I am a company man, I use all of the Rotoviz uh, <laughs> tools like the NFL Absolutely. Stat Explorer. Like seriously, though, the NFL Stat Explorer is probably one of the coolest tools in existence i mean you can look at anything and everything that you want like all of their historical numbers and performances uh wide receivers like you know the yak per reception air yards per target team target uh team target share like the exact location on the field at which they were targeted yeah anything that you want where they rank in every single meaningful statistical category possible and so um i actually i'm I'm, on a couple occasions i've done dug into uh uh, fantasy points over expected per game um, and really tried to figure out like what's sticky and what's not year over year. And I'm still working on the research there, but I look for guys that uh, should be having more touchdowns or should be having mo- a more success given their average depth of target, given their air yards, given their whatever it is. It's it's like weighted opportunity rating is, is what one thing that we, we call it in uh, the uh, static score on rotaviz.com. But I'm looking at guys that are, uh, to, as far as like trade targets go, mm-hmm. should be doing more um, and are on the cusp of doing more cusp of breaking out, but just haven't yet. Um, like a couple years ago, I, I don't know when it was, maybe it was even last year, but like Allen Robinson was getting a ton of uh, targets and he had a deep dot, wasn't hauling, hauling in a ton and he wasn't scoring a bunch of touchdowns. And then by the end of the year, uh, you know, he was a wide receiver one. Um, right. So like, I think people, can miss those opportunities if they're not digging into uh, the specific as the specifics as to why a player is doing what they're doing and uh, what's the expected outcome versus the actual. So, yeah. 
When you're talking about like fantasy points over expectation, do you sometimes think that some players just always have bad numbers and it's a result of, of them as players? Or is it something like, man, I expect that this will actually improve, so I want to target this guy? You know, I've found that there's not a ton of players that really stick uh, highly in the fantasy points over expected per game, but the ones that do are the absolute difference makers. Like, I'm not sure, like, on the other end of the spectrum that I can just say it's because that player is just bad um, most of the time. But guys like uh, like Mike Evans, for example, mm-hmm. he is basically every year of his career with the uh, except for uh, 2017, um, uh, where he kind of finished, I think he finished, like, 17th or 18th or something like that he's been a top 20 fantasy points over expected wide receiver in every single year and which is crazy because he almost always has incredible opportunity he has tons of red zone targets he's got tons of targets in general typically and he has a bunch of touchdowns and um he just scores like crazy and when we look back 10 years from now we're gonna go oh yeah mike evans was a hall of famer and people like to nitpick because he had a down week here and there Right. Um, but yeah. I, I try to find the guys that do that and have done that consistently throughout their career and exploit the the wrong takes uh, that people have, uh, you know, the, the false narratives that people like to, to throw around with players um, when they're actually in all actuality, like the best in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like regression is a real thing. Um, however, there are some players that consistently prove they like, that. yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and like, what is normal for the average player isn't normal for them. So we shouldn't be yeah. putting them on the same scale, expect the same sort of regression for them. Seriously, Yeah. I mean, like Mike Evans, uh, keep on going back to him, but uh, people are down ish on him by comparison mm-hmm. to previous years. And w- w- the 2014 class for wide receivers is going to go down as the number one class of all time. Like, and it won't be close like at all. Um, and he's the best one. Like, like yeah. he, he has like a thousand yards more than all of them and more touchdowns than all of them. Uh, and he's been the most consistent out of all of them. And, so, and but at the same time, like he's he's, you know, like in, even in best ball where he, in my opinion, has more value because of his mm-hmm. 40 point weeks that he drops. Like he's still been going like in the 40s and 50s, right? Even later. Uh, and it's like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? What are we, what are we doing, guys? Now I'm looking at my shares and I don't have near enough Mike Evans. <laughs> I'm noticing. Uh, you mentioned best ball. Let's talk about that for a little bit here before we sure. uh, close up shop. What's your approach to best ball? Um, are you kind of viewing it like I just want the best players and I assume that the best players are also, you know, once it's all said and done, end up having the best weeks? Or are you looking for like, okay, what are some guys that are just going to go absolutely ham um, and and I'll take their two or three or four huge weeks and um, knowing that there could be a lot of zeros in there too. Yeah, best ball is so weird because, and that it's it's one of the more for, uh, more fun formats because with game theory, there's nothing like it that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many ways to build, uh, so many ways to um, optimize your exposure. I guess if you're playing in a hundred plus leagues, which I know I'm sure even a lot of our listeners here have, you know, fifty plus best ball leagues because they don't have to touch it. Um, but for me, I, I like to have a balanced approach in uh, different types of builds and different t- types of strategies. Because for me, honestly, if I'm, I, I tend to do okay. I'm, I'm not like raking it in and I couldn't just quit based on my best ball again, you know, <laughs> right. I can just you know, do that. 
for a full-time job, but I, I always, it's cause you're not in enough like, leagues, man. Yeah. But I always basically, <laughs> I, I, I'm in the plus like all the time. Yeah. And, but it's just an experience. It's an experiment for me. Cause I just want to see what works in any given year. I'm going to test it against previous years and it's more of a fun little game to me mm-hmm. than it is. I'm trying to crank it out and just make money. And so I, some drafts I'll go, uh, zero RB. Some drafts I'll go hero RB. Some drafts I'll go robust RB and and draft like four in a row. Uh, and so it's just it's super fun because with any kind of build like that, um, it's not like you're wrong, um, but based on how your league is drafting, uh, that affects how you have to approach that league. Because I could go in and be like, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna go robust running back. I'm definitely gonna go zero RB. But the value might dictate that I don't have to do that. So I just go for the players across the board that I believe their values are off um, mm-hmm. the widest, by the widest percentage. I'm trying to take advantage. And so I, I do have more of a concentrated exposure share typically uh, every year. Um, then I, I guess, you know, the smart people would say is optimal, <laughs> but it hasn't killed me just yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So last year I did one best ball league and I did, I, I did poorly in it. And so this year I was like, man, I need to, I need to get a little bit crazier. So, so I'm in, I'm in a lot more this year and it's been interesting, like figuring out like what's the best approach to take and, and how should I do it? I listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of articles on it. And, um, even, you know, like at Rotoviz, we've got a lot of really smart people who do a lot with best ball. So even just like picking their brains on stuff has been really uh, beneficial. And, um, it's interesting because, uh, Early in the draft, like some of the the, the first, like if I, if I look at my exposure rates, like the first few rounds of players, like the the first you know sixty guys off the board, my exposure rate is is pretty narrow, like or, or pretty wide. Like I don't have a yeah. whole lot of shares on one guy. But then when you yeah. get to the later sense. half, yeah, when you get to that later half of the draft, all of a sudden, man, like I have Ben Roethlisberger on a third of my teams. I've got Michael Carr. I've got like me. Yeah. yeah. I've like way too much of certain players, but it's yeah. And then like Michael Carter, who like I've been talking about him forever now, like you and Matt both make fun of me for my love for Michael Carter. (laughs) Like I've got him on almost half my team. Mainly Matt. Yeah. Well, that's probably true, but yeah, I've got him uh, on almost half my teams. I've got Josh Jacobs on a third of my teams and, and Josh Jacobs, like I was getting him in the fifth round and I wrote an article upon him and, um, I think people are drafting him at his absolute floor. Uh, so I will take him at his absolute floor knowing that the ceiling is also in play. Um, and if he, which he most likely will do, will land somewhere in the middle, um, it's going to be an absolute steal. Uh, and then (laughs) I've got so much, um, I've got so many of like, because I did, did do like the modified, like the hero RB is, is what we're calling it now. Um, yes, that's the thing. Meaning you just uh, take one running back and then you, uh, go a bunch of wide receivers essentially. Yes. And so like, I've got so much of these, these later guys, like I, I loaded up on Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson, oh, yeah. um, Carl, Carlos Hyde, Jamal Williams. These types of guys are in a Carlos lot Hyde. of my dude. <laughs> well, because I started some of these leagues a little bit later, it was like right after okay. the Travis ATN injury. I was okay. like, Oh, I'm going to go in on, on Hyde because I'm not, I don't trust urban Meyer to be smart with who he gives the football to <laughs> so, just in general. Yeah. Uh, so, and then wide receiver, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a dude who I think we have soured on so much, uh, and that's Kenny Galladay. I've got him in about a third of my leagues too. I think people forget before last year, just how good he was. Um, what are your thoughts on Kenny Galladay? 
do you think people are down on him just because of injury concern, because of the change of location, uh, because they forget that he's good because we have such short uh, memories? What are your thoughts? I think it's a mix of all that. It's it's injury concerns like he is practicing, I guess, now, but uh, he's in a situation which on paper, uh, whatever anecdote you want to throw around, it's it's not a better situation. He doesn't have a better quarterback. Right. Uh, so I think that there's definitely some concern with injuries and opportunity and uh, them hilariously wasting a pick on Kadarius Tony in the first round. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like there's, there's a lot there. And so I think, uh, but we, in, in the fantasy space, we typically uh, react irrationally and uh, too strong in any given direction. And I think we've probably gotten there with him. Like it's, it doesn't make any sense that he's like the wide receiver, you know, 36 or something. I, I don't know what it was uh, in best ball right now. Like I think he's, yeah, pretty sure it's wide receiver 36 now, uh, at least with FFPC leagues. So um yeah, that's that's a bit of an overreaction because if he is healthy at all, I don't see any world where he, he finishes below that mark. Right. Like in 2019, which is not that long ago, the last time he played a full season, he, he and even in PPR, which isn't his best format, he was he was the wide receiver nine. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. he 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 was just fantastic. And you look at like. Again, I, I just pulled up uh, the NFL Stat Explorer that you were just mentioning earlier because I was looking at this earlier this week when I was um, looking at Kenny Galladay. And I was like, man, like if if he's healthy, the only question is, can Daniel Jones get him the ball? And uh, because he <laughs> yeah. is such a good wide receiver and, and he is, um, yeah, I just think he's really, really good. Um, yeah. Like you watch him on tape, you look at his like athletic profile, um, I, I, it's just hard for me to be like totally out on a guy like that, especially in a best ball format where like the consistency aspect isn't as big of a deal no. as and, those and, big, those big peaks. Yeah. And when you look at his really productive span, when he, he was healthy in between week five of 2018 and week 16 of 2019, he had 10 wide receiver one. Weeks. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah, that, that, the upside is clear. Uh, it's just like, are, are we, gonna have to is he gonna miss some time and what what's that gonna look like and can can daniel jones actually prop him up and tory has any of those weeks anymore yeah yeah no that's that's gonna be the question but i guess i feel like drafting him as late as he's going it's it's worth the risk uh who's a player that you um you have a lot of exposure of this year give give me a couple names every year until the end of time for best ball i'm gonna have probably too much brandon cooks okay yeah that's a good name for this and uh, Jarvis Landry, because for different reasons. So like Jarvis Landry is not sexy for best ball. However, you need points, you mm-hmm. know, like just in general, like mm-hmm. like at all uh, for for fantasy football. Um, and since those guys have come into the league, they have consistently just absolutely dominated. Uh, and they're they're both. I mean, like I'm pretty sure they're both top ten in like the last five six years. In fact, uh, let me check just real quick. I'm pretty sure they're like both top eight since they came into the league in uh, fantasy points scored. So they just constantly uh, outperform the expectations. Yeah, they're both top eight wide receivers in fantasy points scored since entering the league. Wow, um, I wouldn't so, I wouldn't have guessed that. You often yeah. you often used to do trivia games with me where I'd embarrass <laughs> myself, and that would have been one where I embarrassed myself. Yeah, I mean, like both of them have you know more fantasy points since entering the league than Keenan Allen and Stephon Diggs. Well, yeah, 
And so, I like that you call them Stefan and not Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I'm, it, 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 if I'm on the show with you, it's Stefan. <laughs> I love Stéphane. it. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Um, no, that's crazy because like, um, and, and I love that you mentioned two different types of wide receiver because yeah. Cooks is that big, big play guy and Landry's that, you know, super consistent. Um, but they both, like like we said earlier, like the points matter all the same. And, and it's important mm-hmm. to like, uh, Jarvis Landry is a great guy to, 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 to have because he, probably does get overlooked a lot in these uh, another guy i've got a ton of um is antonio brown i'm really <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, i'm so high on him this year because i'm crazy and yeah it's gonna be interesting yeah. man i'm so excited for this season um okay so by the time this comes out the game will probably be over we're gonna jump back to college football um what what happened so this will come out friday morning what happened last yeah. night in the ohio state minnesota game that got you so excited man what happened last night in the ohio <laughs> state game is that ohio state dropped like 50 points and all six wide receivers scored a touchdown it was insane <laughs> dude that would be amazing <laughs> all six future nfl wide receivers on their team scored a touchdown and uh, trevion henderson went for 200 there we go. Uh, what do you really think is going to happen? <laughs> uh, five of them are going to get a touchdown. Okay. It's only going to have 150. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's going to be bad. Sorry, sorry, Gophers fans. It's going to be bad. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm excited for it. I know Matt is uh, – he's been really excited for he'll – uh, love, He'll love that. He'll like – yeah. he'll want to find – he'll drive to my house just to give me a hug after that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's good. Any uh, Anything you're uh, – any game in particular you're really excited about for this uh, weekend? Yeah, I am excited for Clemson and Georgia because that should be a lot of fun. DJ Uyunglele and JT Daniels uh, facing off. Uh, JT Daniels with a wide receiver core that should be better, uh, but it's not because he's going to be without Eric Gilbert and without George Pickens. Yeah, DJU really has like 17 trees to throw to. So yes. uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, one or two of the Clemson wide receivers are probably going to absolutely dunk on a really good defense for Georgia. Uh, and I love to see it. So am, am I overthinking yeah. it? Am I overthinking it starting Desmond Ritter over DJU in, in fantasy this weekend, nope. given that Cincinnati's got such a cupcake matchup and Georgia's defense is good. Nope. I know Desmond Ritter's. I mean, if he does what he did for like the month and a half last year, like Desmond Ritter is going to be pushing for Heisman con- contention. So yeah, yeah. Cool. And he's going to smash all the cupcakes. He I love it. I love it. Well, dude, I'm so glad to uh, be able to talk to you twice this week. Super Heck fun. I yeah. uh, appreciate you and uh, all the all the good work you do. I was actually, uh, while I was uh, waiting for this call, I was reading your um, your article on um, like... Um, Dollar Durable? No, I was reading one of your old ones on Rotoviz about like the adjusted... Uh, production index oh, yeah, for wide production. receivers. Yeah. And uh, that's why I was looking at Andy Isabella because he was one of those guys that just looked so good on paper. Um, yeah. But man, your, your work is great. Um, I know everyone listening to this podcast already knows who you are and reads all your stuff. So no need for me to plug all that, but um, just really appreciate you, man. Uh, I'm excited for the season. I'm excited to be doing this with you and uh, yeah, man. it's going to be a good time. Let's have some more time. crossover episodes. Let's Absolutely. do that. For sure. Um, and one thing I want to talk about in a couple of weeks is we need to sit down and look at um, some of these numbers as it per, like with wide receivers or um, quarterbacks so we can start getting a good feel for who's making that jump. Uh, so we'll definitely be doing that. But in the meantime, thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review the show, of course. Follow us both on Twitter. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be a good season. Uh, Travis, anything you want to say before we go? Nope. Just uh, oh. 
check out the College of Can podcast twice a week now. And that's uh, right. All of, all of our stuff at Rotoviz. And uh, if you want, you can check out this, uh, the Salad Verbal stuff I'm doing for college football. Uh, with the Salad Verbal podcast and their their new site, I'm one of uh, I'm one of three writers that they brought in for this season, so it's been fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Great, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with you. Uh, Travis will have his episode um, early next week, and then I'll be back um, in that Friday slate. Y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy all the football, and uh, yeah, let's do it.